Welcome to Tough Love with me, Stephanie Wiegand, relationship expert and clinical psychotherapist. And me, Mairead Lachman, matchmaker, dating specialist and the founder of Love HQ Matchmaking. Did you know, Mairead, that um, on average, people move in together, 25% of people move in together after four months and a further 50% after one year. So some very significant conversations that need to happen in that first year. And that's where we're going today. Yes, looking forward to this one about conversations, Stephanie. Yes, me too. So Stephanie, this week I have met so many clients just on the back of Valentine's Day and uh, all the media and everything yourself and myself did for Valentine's Mm Day. Um, I've had a huge amount of clients all over Ireland, um, but I've also had a lot of clients that maybe had conversations over Valentine's Day about will we move in together, will we get engaged, will we get married, have babies. Um, And I think it's really important to have a conversation about the conversations we need to have before these big milestones. Yes. So the first conversation obviously being well, big conversation I think that a couple has is saying I love you. So did you know, Stephanie, because you're always great for the facts and figures that on average men, it takes them 97.3 days to say I love you. But women, it takes them on average 138 days to say I love you. Mm. Can you remember? That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Can you remember the first time you said I love you to Yes. Oh, absolutely. And uh, absolutely. And it was actually within a three month period. Yes. That's interesting. 90 days. I was just thinking that as you yeah. said it. Um, yeah, it was it was about within about 90 days. Yeah. And it's a big step. It is a big step. As Even a woman, though you're mature or whatever, no matter what age you are, you know that you're taking a big step when you make that statement. Yeah, I really think so. I as a woman, I don't know if I'd say I love you first. Would you say I love you first? Um, oh, I would. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I would. I think if, uh, but then, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a different stage of life to you yes. and uh, I've been married twice. So um, I think I've, you know, different level of sort of certainty around things, but um, even then, yes, I would. I think I would have had no problem. I, I think it's, for me, it was always the journey of knowing where, where I am in my own feelings as yes. opposed to because it's always a risk. I always think love is a risk. It is. A so risk. that's that's part of that. And I think it's funny when you when you mentioned there just were tripping back to conversations and I was thinking, yes, but people are very reluctant to have conversations. And in a way, it's coming up immediately here. People are very reluctant to have that very first conversation, which is really owning their feelings. And putting them there, you know, yeah. between you. Um, and which is part of it all, part of the same same dynamic. I I think anybody can say I love you personally. I don't know if I would say it first. Um, I but I do think it's probably one of the nicest conversations you'll ever have with your significant over other because it's just such a lovely conversation when you do have it. Of course. So is it? So when you say I wouldn't say it first, is it? Um, you can see that yes. So men in general do say it earlier, which is interesting. Yes, from mm-hmm. your stats there, ninety. Now I may have felt that I was in love, but I just didn't say it. So okay. um, you know, it's a nice kind of. I, I I think it's a very important conversation, though. Um, what would you say yeah. if somebody said they were six months into a relationship and there had been no mention of love? Yeah, I think you see. But what I think there is, the two people are um, maybe there's uncertainty or there's um, holdback. And that's fine. There are times in your life when you should hold back and you need to go slow. But it's important, I think, to ask yourself if you feel that you love somebody and you're not telling them what is going on. Are you afraid they don't love you back? 
are you afraid that um, they're going to run away because you, you know, show how you feel? Yes. Um, these are important things in relationships, I think. Yeah. In our lifetime, we seemingly um, fall in love on average three times during mm. our lifetime, which is an, uh, an interesting statistic because, you know, very often I think when it's your first love, it can be very difficult to get over. But actually, if I was to tell you, you don't meet your real person, you know, on average until yes. the third person that you say I love you to, uh, it might make it help a little bit that, you you know, this feeling does pass if you're yes. just over your first. first and the first, love lo- first loves are, are very um well, it depends if it's a long-term relationship or it's a quick thing, but I think it's very intoxicating and lovely and swift, but it's not as deep as I think as you get older. And this is why I think as you get older, that when people fall in love, they really know where they are. Yes. I think maybe that's the certainty point I'm talking about, that um, you will often see people who've been in big relationships and they will go quick, fast into the next, fully in love, fully mm-hmm. engaged, getting married. Right because as you mature people, you know, your whole ability to love and your ability to understand your feelings changes. So I think that's why I would say if you're not asking the question or if you're not making the statement, what's stopping you? Check that out a little bit for people, you know, in themselves. Yeah. I also think that if you're kind of six to seven months in and the person you're with is saying to you, I'm not sure that I love you yet. You know, I would probably be starting to question and maybe looking at the other conversations that we're going to be having today about other yes. milestones. You know, are you getting any indication that this person is in it for the long haul? Because if not, they are wasting your time. You know, very often people can become very comfortable. And I know for a fact that there are people get so comfortable. People come to me from matchmaking that have been in a non-physical relationship with somebody for six years that they're basically mm-hmm. essentially long-term pen pals and I think a lot of that started during lockdown and COVID and I've I've heard this on numerous occasions yes. not just a few makes times. perfect sense right? it does yeah. so other milestones that I think are hugely important and I think it's very important you have a proper conversation like what conversation should you be having before these things so moving in together you know, don't just move in together without having big conversations. So we're going to go through these today, getting engaged, yes. getting married, having babies. And as we discussed yesterday, that we we're going to cover the bump in the road, Stephanie, because I think it's yeah. really important that, you know, life is not plain sailing. There will be a bump in the road at some stage during all relationships. Yeah. yeah. So moving in together is a huge step for any couple. Um, and there are important things that need to be discussed. Um, and I suppose we've, I've just kind of broken those di- these down into a few different mm. areas. So first of all, being finances. Obviously, money can be a very sensitive situation. It's important that you discuss it. I've had two financial experts on my podcast, Paul Merriman from Ask yeah. Paul, and I've also had Owen McGee from RTE's How to Be Good with Money. I also was a financial advisor myself for over seven years. So what I would say is, ideally, if you're moving in together, a conversation around money needs to be had. Who's going to pay the rent? Who's going to pay the mortgage? Uh, also, you know, for long term, if you if you're moving in together, I'm assuming you're going to start considering being along, you know, that this is for the long haul. So ideally, I think there should be your personal account. They should have a personal account, but I do think there should be a household account. Mm-hmm. So at least three accounts within. The, That's the ideal. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Can I can I say something there on just before we go f- fully down that list? And because uh, I think it's really, really good stuff and really important. But I think one of the things that often happens is, as you mentioned in the pandemic there, people kind of make they kind of slide into, you know, the next step. They, they kind of move move forward. There was the pandemic. Oh, we'll stay together. Sure, sure. We'll stay together. And that's as easy. And and that's fine. In the pandemic, all those kind of things happened. Yes. And some of them worked out wonderfully and some did not. Yes. But 
in general, in relationships, it is really important that you recognize that there are decisions to be made. And when you go to live together, it's not just for convenience. It has to have a level of commitment, a decision to take the relationship from that level to the next level. And some of that is sliding and missing in what happens in couples now. And I think that's, I would just reinstate that the pandemic is over. If you're going to move in together, it's something, it's not nothing. And uh, we'll talk later maybe about the difference between that and marriage and all that, but living together, which everybody does is really important. And you need to, you know, see it as a proper trial, proper preamble. Do you think people should live together before they get married? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I really so do. as well. You learn so much about someone when you live, move in with them. Um, yes. And this, I suppose, why we're having these conversations today. So like, I really would say, if you're thinking about moving in with a partner, get out pen and paper now. And and actually, yeah. you know, all, all the topics we cover are also uh, summarized on in the text within our podcast, because we do give a summary of what we cover. Yes, so if you want to look at it there. So finances are huge, important. You need to discuss it in advance. Who's paying for what? Who's contributing to what? Uh, also, as well, if you are moving into a new place, can you afford the new place? You know, um, are you one person just saying, yeah, great, because they're going along with it? Um, also, as well, things like, say, if you earn €100,000 and your partner earns €50,000, then is there going to be a pro rata? You know, are you going to pay you know the the ratio to one of the bills or what way it's going to be so just all those conversations I think need to be had before before and they can be difficult to have you know people leave it aside don't they and you know even the date I often think even in dating who who pays and all of that it's a conversation that people seem to find awkward yes I know it is you you know we're we're awkward around money People yeah, I don't think it should be, it. but I suppose maybe that's because I had to made a career from asking people how much money they earned and a bit like them to do it, manage yeah. it better. You're clear on finances. I'm clear on emotions. Yes, uh, you know, and <laughs> yeah. it's a bit like that because you're comfortable there because you've yes. got the words for it. You've been down the road of it. And and I always think that that, well, money obviously behind it can feel like power, like you're giving power mm-hmm. away or um or somebody has more power in the situation. So money is important how you handle it. Um, And, you know, I'm just thinking at the emotional side of it. The other is, is it equal or does somebody need to feel that they're the provider or or are they able for the equality? So in some ways, by having these conversations, you sort of shake to the ground some of these issues, other issues. So that's another good reason. Also as well, if someone's a saver or a spender or also as well, if they have a gambling issue, you know, so you need to to look at all of those things. The next topic uh, is cleaning and chores. So mm. it's important to discuss these. You know, you probably know never gets some, never gets never discussed. gets sorted. I honestly would say if you're moving in together, factor into the budget cleaner. Just do it. Just do it. Mm. Because especially both of your full time jobs. Yes. One of you are going to be the default cleaner. OK, there's always that. And mm-hmm. um, I used to list them as blue jobs and pink jobs. So, you know, yeah. um, some people you know, they just kind of fall under different categories. It's not that it's a mm. sexist thing, but I remember when I moved in with an ex of mine and again, this whole thing of starting as you mean to go on, there was like a kind of a piece of grass at the front of the house and it was the size of a postage stamp. It would take less than five minutes to cut this piece of grass with the lawnmower, which there was a lawnmower there. But right. I was like, do you know what? I'm doing enough stuff now inside the house. I ain't doing that grass. So I was like, yeah. do you mind cutting the grass? Anyway, it went round in a circle and 
it got past my knee and I was still not cutting that grass. So one day I said, would you like me to organize a grass cutter for you to come? Mm -hmm. And eventually it was done. But I knew had I cut it once because it was it was basically I was told that his ex used to cut it. Um, hmm. And I knew once I cut it once, it was then my job. So yeah. when I mean start as you mean to go on, I was still written. I learned a lot that day. So it was great. Yeah. Well done. Well done. And you see, I think, again, like chores, men do. It's very well known that, you know, say in a household that women, women keep a kind of a, a mental um, kind of what would you say stock take about the house you know the things yes. that need doing things that uh, what we're running out of all of that whereas it's well well understood that men tend to do the jobs that need to be done in a kind of a time limited way for yes. example put out the bins um, they will uh, do a shopping if you ask them to do it and they'll do it once every two or three weeks um, but they're time focused jobs you know they yes. will do it. But women have a kind of an emotional labor around remembering everything, keeping track on the household. This is probably more even more important when it comes to children, you know, that they tend to to keep a tally on all the school times and all the or who needs new shoes and all of that. Whereas so there's an emotional labor factor and you have to be careful, I think, around that. You can start that start as you mean to go on. Recognize that you're inclined to do those kind of things. And just equalize it a little bit more. Yes. The other is men tend to be very detailed. You know, I mean, certainly my, my, my man certainly tends to be very detailed around, you know, putting things in the dishwasher. I'd kind of fire them all in. I wouldn't break them, but yeah. I'd fire them all in and all haphazard. So I don't done. mind upside down. Yeah. Well, not upside down, but, you know, I don't care. But it's very common for people to have a very opposite way. I've actually seen yes. loads of articles on that. I think I wrote one myself on um, why it's uh, why we're so different around how we stack the dishwasher. So there's your first that, that would have been yes. an early kind of difficult indicator. I, I think, you know what, I think there's no right or wrong answer to this. I think, you know, the cleaning and the chores is going to be different for every single relationship. You know, some people might do the shopping, right. some might be better at the hoovering, some might be better at employing a cleaner. Just figure it out. But have the conversation. But they can irritate. Advance. It can't, but it also is, yeah. And especially if you're working, both working, like it is hard on your day yes. off to be going cleaning. I think if you're even your, if you're single, single, get a cleaner. My cleaner is actually going to be in now in about two hours. So that's why the podcast yeah, which is, is lovely. But morning. do you not think, Marae, that some people are just naturally have been trained, of course, to yes. be tidier um, mm -hmm. than others? I mean, I think personally, I live with a tidy person. I'm not that tidy myself. Definitely need the cleaner. I think it's interesting because do you change them? Do you ask them to change their behavior or do you find a middle ground? Because I don't think any level of training is ever going to make me as tidy. I know. As I think, people I know. I think as you are the, the therapist <laughs> in this one, I would say maybe not using the word trainer is a good place to start and using the word communication when it comes to <laughs> yes. the cleaning and the chores. Definitely. Yeah. You need middle ground there. Definitely. That's perfect. Uh, that's my experience. Yes. That's the it. next one then is work yep. schedules, you know, talking about each other's work schedules to make sure that there is enough time and quality time together. So I often see this when people are matching people. There's some people that their jobs are mainly based at the weekends and there's other people that their jobs are mainly based during the week. Mm -hmm. um, and it's even hard to get a first date going sometimes for some people, even though they'd be a great match because their work schedules are so opposite to each other. Indeed. Also, as well, we often see people that work shifts like guards or nurses you know, they can actually be working completely, completely different shifts. Now, that can sometimes work in the initial stages. Some people say for child minding that they save a lot of money on child minding. But the problem is their own relationship suffers. 
So having a chat about it. Yeah, that's it. And also, you know, um, very often people come to me from matchmaking. They say that Mm -hmm. they are like they probably single because they work too much or they're a workaholic. And the first question I always ask after that is, you know, do you have enough time? So if I do match you with somebody, are you going to make an effort? And of course, everything is promised at the beginning and the outset. But genuinely, at what stage do they start to slow down? And I would say immediately you should be saying, if they say, oh, when you move in, I would say, no, I want you to see it now beforehand. Mm. Because if they are a workaholic, is that what you want? Do you want to be spending so much time on your own or do you want to have somebody you share your life with? Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting and good conversation because I meet lots of people as well who I would say do not, they have, they really don't, they think they want a relationship. Uh, They kind of want it but they haven't created a gap for it and they have filled you know they're sort of filled their lives with their work filled their lives with the achievement and the relationships around work but you know the truth is you have to create space to have time together and the other is when it's established like you're absolutely right I think on this one the other the other is that you know people talk a lot about you know the the two rule the two 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 rule you know um two dates a week you know weekends away all of that kind of thing but I just think I would always find myself saying to couples and they can be very young still, you know, together with young children and all of that. You must create time together. Does not mean you have to be out of the house. Of course, dates are important and getting out and doing all those things. But if you're on a busy, busy schedule, but you must create us time. It just has to be factored in. And sometimes the easiest way is to say, certainly in my life, it was always Wednesday and Saturday. You know, kids or no kids, it was always Wednesday, Saturday. You, you, it's very easy to forget it. And uh, dating happens. And then when people come into this relationship also of living together, they can slide into the telly and the pizzas. It's really not enough. It gets life gets very boring. I will sometimes hear young people telling me and I say, how often would you see them? Oh, I go to their house every evening and we watch telly. Sorry, it's not a very exciting relationship. No, it's you're not. Only 24 years no. of age and all you're doing is watching the telly. So no. I, I think just uh, really careful around that, I suppose. That's what it makes me think about. This just prompts me to think about different things. Yes, uh, I think and then alone time. Everyone needs some alone time. I think you know, it's not a huge discussion that needs to be had, perhaps, but maybe that's because I, I would think that if they're at work and you're at work and everything, but it is a yeah. conversation that needs to be had. Maybe if two, both people are working from home. And also the thing, if I can say there about, you know, introverts, you know, extroverts and introverts, introverts really need um, more time on their own. And uh, extroverts obviously don't much less. And I was reading a thing recently, which I did think was interesting. And, you know, we talk a lot about how people need to be, you know, similar and you in your work, always trying kind of, you know, matching people in many ways. But this was along the similarity lines. And but it's been been some new research out, which is that, you know, as much as we say people are like to be similar and we like them to be similar, there's actually no research to back that up. It has been Always, every study that people that has been done has never actually backed up what we know intuitively, which is that we need to be a little bit similar. But apparently the the difference is that, yes, you need to be similar, but at a different level. Okay. In other words, enhance each other. If we're equally extroverted, that doesn't tend to work well. Okay. But if you're if you're both a little outward going, but one much more so than the other. That yeah. works. And I think intuitively we know that kind of thing. 
sometimes people come to me and they're say to me that uh, they're extremely quiet. So they'd like to meet someone that has a big personality. That's it. And I get that. But I sometimes think just the big personality doesn't really want to meet someone that's super quiet. It's not quiet. Yes. So maybe just a grade or two. Yeah. So there is kind of a balance, of course. Yes. But that's um, just an interesting, I think, thing about similarities. Time alone, that's what that made me think of that, that sometimes the you one will be a little more introverted than the other or, or just need that time. You don't have to be introverted to have time alone. It just strikes me. Um, but yeah, time out, time for sport is another, I think, big contentious one. Time alone, but time for what do you want? You might like, I don't know, you might like to paint. You might like to golf, do this. Don't give up widows. your hobbies. Yes. I know that seems, but time for what is important to you is really worth negotiating in relationships. Do you think so? Um, there is a balance with that. So we'd often hear of like golf widows or men going off to watch. Now, we I'd hear more often because obviously my friends are mainly female, but and I play a bit of golf. Um, do you think that there is a balance then as well? Do you think there's some people that use their sport to get out of parenting, that get out of doing household chores, that get out of... Um, you know, kind of leaving it on the other person. Yes, I think some things um, go too far. I think for those initial phases, sir, I, I think in general, you should be able to negotiate your hobbies. Absolutely. Yes. I don't think there is a mother or father alive who's been able to keep all of that up. Yes. When children are young without being unfair to their partner. OK, the only and I've seen it in my own house because I've had people involved, you know, mm-hmm. who have prof- who have professional football lives. That is a different matter. That is their job, you know. Yes. But it is really and truly you have to compromise on sport. And, you know, people who go out on, you know, early morning cycles, early morning runs, you know, these are Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings. They're precious time when they're family you know, time as well. you have yeah. to negotiate that between each other. I'm not saying it can't be it can't be worked in, but it has to be worked in carefully and with a lot of regard to yes. each other. Yeah. Uh, the next one is communication. So just goes how you communicate with each other and how you make decisions together. I think this is really important before you move in, because where you're going to live. So like everybody's going to have to make a compromise at 10 different places before you yes. even get to the, the key to, turned in that door if you are moving into a house together. So how you make decisions together, maybe looking at each other's strengths and weaknesses and who's better at making what decisions. That's a difficult conversation, Stephanie. Yeah, well, I think a good I think it's a difficult conversation, but I think it's 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 a really good one to to say, look, inevitably, we're going to have things that we're not going to agree on. How will we let's just talk a little bit about this. How do you sort things out? How do you think is a good way to sort things out? You don't have to come to a firm, definite agreement. I'm beginning to think as you work through this list that by the time you get to number seven, you say, do you know what I think? Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to leave this for another (laughs) six months. I know, I know, absolutely. I think but that's exactly, isn't that a good thing? If you have that kind of chat and then you realize maybe there's more in this than Mm-hmm. you know is sensible for me just right now <laughs> I also think having all these conversations like you know if you are the sort of people that like to sit down with a bottle of wine maybe starting this conversation like before before the second bottle of wine at least you know together. yes yeah, um, maybe have, a coffee job this I, maybe coffee, a coffee would be thing. my safer for a coffee <laughs> uh, habits and lifestyle then discussing each other's we obviously talked about sport there but such as sleep schedules dietary preferences exercise routines again coming into sport yeah. but I think sleep schedules I remember an ex of mine used to come in and wake me up in the morning now I'm not um 
psycho sleep person. You know, I I get very good sleep, but I never thought that I would be annoyed when someone wakes me up. I know what time I have to wake up, but don't wake me up before it. Um, yes. So I think it's important to have that conversation because sleep, I think, is definitely uh, an mm-hmm. important factor of anybody's I would have thought sleep is sacrosanct. Like, yeah, it is. When I'm asleep, I don't want to be woken up. Yeah. Is that not not a given? Unless we're getting a plane, do not wake me up. Like, yes, we're getting a flight somewhere, you know. Yes. But you see, you're not with him. No, there we go. There you go. It's many other reasons than that, Stephanie. Yeah. (laughs) And you exactly. But, you know, you probably have a fair idea of the sleepy thing if you've been, you know, sort of with this person over a number of months. But it it is important. You see, these little things that have and we always talk about red flags. This is also the time to discuss the things that you have a tiny concern about, Mm -hmm. you know, because um, it's easy, as we say, to slide over things. But this is your kind of this is it's a good time before you move in, because when people move in together, something I think they they forget is they have made a kind of commitment. There is a kind of statement out there. People know you're living together. It's not as easy to extricate from that living together situation as it is adjustment. To just say, listen, we're done. This isn't working for me and it's not, yes. you know, working out. And it's a phone call and it's a text. This is going to be an extraction when you when you move back out of this situation. That's why sliding into it isn't a good idea. And that's why recognizing, even though it's common and it's absolutely common to be doing it now, and people often live with three people, you know. Yes. So, but the point is, just remember, it won't be as easy for you to get out of this. You will have invested a lot of your time your effort and, you know, other aspects of yourself and and just Definitely. think wisely before you go forward. Definitely. The next then is boundaries. So discussing each other's boundaries, how you can respect them, as well as any potential deal breakers. So I think that's important as well when you're moving in with someone, just knowing what are yes. your deal breakers and, and, you know, what are your boundaries? I actually think nearly throwing into this like sex now that you're like living with each other the whole time, like it doesn't mean that you have to have sex every night. So if somebody doesn't want to have sex, you know, like just that's their bedroom as well you know that is their safe space that's where they go to be quiet and chill out for the evening and everything now mm. the daring a bedroom as well I think is also important um to respect each other's space within the bedroom but also that I remember making a rule that we don't have arguments in the bedroom mm-hmm. and it actually was good because I like my bedroom to be my clean happy karma yeah. yes kind yeah, of place kind of so it's, mm. I think it's important to kind of have that boundary as well, just yeah. what each room is or where, what it's significant. I know like that when you're getting down to that level. <laughs> it kind of falls together, but, yeah. but the, some of that falls together. But I do think uh, the, the thing is, the you, reason you're even mentioning those things is because you know they were an issue sometimes. Yes. And so that's important. And it was making me think actually there that that your deal breakers, personal deal breakers are really important. Personal, mm-hmm. just personal idiosyncrasies, you know, I, I I like, you know, for example, do you like, you know, do you, do you like a quiet bedroom? Do you like, do you, do you like, uh, you know, to go to bed late? Some people like yes. to go to bed at one o'clock in the morning um, and get up really early. And so you need to kind of remember what it is that has irritated you in other situations. What yeah. has irritated you with flatmates, you know, and, and yeah. bring those into the discussion. So they are your irritants, your own personal little story. Which are important to pets as well. Uh, if one or both of you have pets, discuss how they will fit into the living ra- arrangement and how you will take care of them. Now, I have two little dogs. They are not allowed in my bedroom and they definitely don't stay there at night. But I have lived with 
an ex that had a dog that used to sleep in his bed and I remember the first time staying over going uh uh-uh. uh I don't sleep in a dog in a bed with a dog. And so uh, and like I remember every time I, at the beginning, I go down to his maybe the, every second weekend. And mm-hmm. I remember saying to him, if I'm coming down on Friday, I'm after driving the whole way down to meet you. So that bed better be changed by the time I get down there, because mm-hmm. I do like a clean bed. I don't like dog hairs all over it. So just even things like that. Um, exactly. And then as soon as I moved in, a new bed needs to be bought. So <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Um. I think it's important to to know kind of what's okay and what's not okay within that. Exactly. And can I mention about pets? I meet a lot of couples who bought bought pets or got pets together when they lived in together and then they broke up. And then then we have almost the custody battle for the I know. I have a lot of clients like this. And the minding. There's quite a lot of that. And uh, so I would say personally, be very, very wary about getting together, getting a pet together. Get let one person own the pet and mm-hmm. you know deal with it from there i i i just think that's a further level it's like having a child for some people so it is yes. like it does come with that and um, one that i think is really important um who has keys to the house and who can come and stay again personal experience but yes. mm, you know more about this than i potentially do. <laughs> a mother-in-law that might come to the house every day at three o'clock while you're working from home is not great <laughs> um, it's, not, it's not only not great married, no. it's not on it's not on also somebody that thinks it's okay to go in and out of your bedroom and stuff like that it's not that's again a couple's sacred place you should 100 percent in-laws shouldn't be going in and out there and uh, who can come to stay and when I say stay it's okay for a night or two but you know those these sometimes I hear from time to time is oh my brother-in-law came to stay in our house and he stayed for 10 days and we eventually broke up because honestly what you know whatever it is so I think having that conversation who has yes. a key to your house I think very few people should have a key to your house mm. and should be able to come and stay and I mean kind of long term or how often they come to stay and things like that and isn't that when you put it that way, Maureen, isn't that complicated by the fact of whose house you're in, whose mm-hmm. space you're in? Yes. Is this, you know, are you are you a young couple that have decided, you know, you're you know, you're going to get a new place together and that's the way it should be. And that's the ideal. Let me tell you, yes. because you're in fresh space, fresh rules, new stuff all the rest you know that makes uh, laying down parameters and setting up kind of good parameters and healthy practices kind of in some ways a lot easier but but often what happens is somebody one or other woman or man has the place and somebody else moves in yes that's so where it's complex it's already the other person's place or it's your place and let's be honest we're all a little bit pernickety in different ways about our own space because we've got used to things there doing it this way and so there's complications with that that require a lot of giving on the part of the person who, who who you know who's already resident if you like and so it's not always up to the other person to fit in it's also up to you to let go a little bit yeah also there is a huge amount of um studies that have been done that a man should never move into a woman's house so a woman can move into a man's house or they can both get a new house together. But mm-hmm. there is a lot of studies to say that a, a man should never move into a woman's house. So um, maybe looking at that. Yeah. Also, uh, I think it's very important that if you're a woman moving into a man's house, I think you need to have the conversation about whose house is it then? So if I yes. move to your house, whose house is it then? Is it our home mm-hmm. or is it your house? Because That's the first right. thing, when you have an argument, 
is he going to say to you you're now living under my roof because let's yeah. face it you're not living under anybody's yeah. roof it's now your home so I think that conversation needs to be had as well before moving in that's a massively important conversation and the distinction if I can just highlight it again of what you said there which is it's not about the house it's about the home are you creating a home together are yes. you creating a space for each other to be a couple because yes. that is a new entity and in that sense, and you need to establish that. For me, that would be the biggest conversation. I know we've spoken of it laterally mm-hmm. in the podcast, but it would be the biggest conversation. Yeah. I personally had experience being a second um, in a second um, marriage, you yes. know, that that I did move in to my husband's older house, you know, mm-hmm. house. And and I think it was complex and and complicated. And yeah. I think I think if I had, you know, all the money in the world and all the options in the world, I would not. Well, we wouldn't have done it. We, certainly, if we were doing it again, we probably wouldn't have done that. Because yes. once I got into the house I'm in now, which is sort of one we bought together, clean space, clear choices, all of that, no rememberings. All that's important. So it's very helpful. Yes. But it's not a perfect world we live in, and we're not able to flip and flick houses. So oh, and especially so at the moment, limited. By what they can do and absolutely at the moment we're hearing now you know to house for some people you know exactly so i think it's important not to be flippant about it we need to be able to work with what we have and you may well be moving into someone's house and then you've all the thing of couples young couples living with their parents in their houses so another space space mm-hmm. regulations boundaries issue also and regulation sounds wrong but you know kind of rules dealing with everybody's sort of style and way and trying to be a couple within all that yes. not easy at all The other big conversations that obviously come then into play are things like getting engaged, getting married, having babies. Mm -hmm. Um, You had said moving in together is not the same as getting married. How does it differ? I I always found that immensely interesting because um, so so just at a a personal, if I can just give my own personal thing, because that's really where it comes from. So I would have, uh, as I said, I've been married twice. I also lived with both, um, you know, both both the partners, if you like, uh, before that. And I was very struck, very, very struck that getting married and being married suddenly felt quite different. And you kind of think, well, why does that feel different? Um, and I think the difference is that people expect some, there's a permanence about it. There's a, a commitment to the forever about yes. marriage that isn't implied in the living together. Yes. People say they're serious, very serious, but it's not clear where that's going. So the commitment that is made in in marriage is something that that you feel quite palpably when um after say a wedding or whatever. There's sort of society sort of look at you. There's a kind of a, and that's what it all is, making that statement to the whole world that you're committing to each other and you're doing so in a very legal way. Mm-hmm. And but you wouldn't think it would resonate and cause any difference. Yes. But it does. Um, and it, it just it just makes you feel I think perhaps there's a, a greater permanence about it. The other thing and on a, on a humorous note, and I always often tell the story, is that I recall um, that one of the differences about two months after we married and we'd already been living together 10 years at that stage. or I think it was maybe eight years or something. Mm-hmm. But I remember I had an argument going before we had an argument before I was heading off to work. And I was always, you know, very good at sorting arguments. And, you know, as, as you'd imagine, owning yeah. my own my own accountability and and everything yeah and I'm quite good at navigating my way through and saying well look I didn't mean it or you know you perhaps you didn't mean that or whatever Mm -hmm. but anyway this morning I I was about two months married and I thought well it's not really up to me to sort this is it it's just equally up to him 
So let him yes. think about it for the day instead of me sorting it out. Every so time, yeah. I, I, I was surprised at myself that something had changed. And I think what had changed was I obviously, even unknown to myself, was slightly, you know, fixing it, minding it, keeping yes. it together, keeping it going. And I think I just passed that responsibility 50% across the table and said, it's two of us now. You're you. It's as much your job to make me happy as it is me to make you happy. So this is this is going to be a very equal experience. And yes. it was all kind of happened like a like a little, um, you know, just just like a, an unconscious shift. Yes. And it's, I just it's, it's just mentally, your mindset is different when you're married. Something shifts. Yes. Yeah. OK. Um, I think for all of these things that we're talking about, um, you know, moving in together, getting engaged, getting married, I really think you should probably ideally should not be doing this within a year I said the four seasons that mm-hmm. you would kind of live within a year you've seen them at Christmas as much as the summertime as much as whatever things kind of trigger them throughout the year I think the four seasons what I often see is with clients obviously that come to me sometimes they've left to kind of on the long finger to meet their forever person and therefore they're coming to me maybe in their 40s would still like to have a family and kind of a couple of months in they're getting on very well and they end up pregnant after three months four months five months I've had it all but very often they get married and have more children and and so far so good all of them are still together and all fabulously so but I think it's very important that you would know the person I would also say anybody that's having a long distance relationship it's very easy to think that your life is very rosy in the garden and um, you know, because you might see each other every second weekend. It's easy to be on your best behavior for two days out of 14, oh, yeah. um, especially when you're going visiting different places and going like it's daytime instead of real life time. So before moving countries, yes. counties, locations, I would say maybe go and live with them for a month on a trial pay- basis, especially now that working from home is such a, you know, a an available factor. thing. Yeah, try yes. and do that before making a big move um and uh, you know enjoy the adventure of it but also be quite realistic in spotting the the red flags yeah so I think what you're saying is be wary of speed I would always say that even though we've often got a very strong unconscious thrust to yes. get there and I think I think there is you've mentioned this quite a lot that there's a lot of loneliness out there there's also a lot of um a lot of there's been a lot of delay for people in mm-hmm. their in their love story, if you like. And, yes. uh, and, and I think people have their foot on the pedal. People are trying, you know, there's, there's, there's a sense that people really want to get forward. And I understand that. And, and I'm not saying don't move fast, but you need to be aware that you can, as they say, two steps, you can, you can fly forward, but, but recovering from a bad relationship takes time as well. So, so it's you won't make you won't make as much headway by mm-hmm. by just running fast at it rather you know stopping when the red flags come if I, if i can just say one thing about those you know we talked a lot about what should be talked about and i think they're really important going a little having these big conversations before we go into relationships be, into the big committed aspect of relationship living together or focusing on even more engagement marriages mm-hmm. and i just want to say people avoid that conversation Yes, all the time. They I know we've done it in a detailed way, but, you know, people avoid those conversations and there are other ways to get into those conversations. If you know you these are the things you want to talk Mm -hmm. about, you can ask simple questions 
not not sitting down having like a business like meeting but I love these prompt questions you know questions yeah. you need to to ask you know to bring the relationship a little deeper yeah or to bring the into the you know whoever annoys you about money you know yes. have you ever had a row about money right I think every one of us could tell a story on that yes. but if you heard that story you might understand more about the person's attitude to money of course right? yes who 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 was who the most tidy person in your house who did the cleaning in your home? Mm-hmm. If you ask those kinds of questions and they're not confrontational, you learn a lot about the other person. So you can kind of um, just just have open open discussions around it and um, and let the let the information fall out. That's yeah, this kind way. of reminds me of when people come to me, they very often know what they don't want instead of what they do want. So it's very often I, I can nearly hear the story behind it or I ask them, is there a story behind that? Because yes. they do. And the older you get, the more experience you've had. So you're probably more cautious about the things you don't want versus what they do. I would probably say though, that if you're five or six months into a relationship, you know, a proper relationship that you think you would like for long-term and none of these things have been brought up yet, I would definitely be creating a conversation. Oh yes. Bring them up or asking outright. Sometimes we can tiptoe around. I think especially females, we've been conditioned by things like Cosmopolitan magazine, like not to scare him away. That was Mm -hmm. fine 15 and 16 but the thing is when you get to a certain age the right person hears you differently so if you're afraid of having this conversation perhaps you know the answer to it and so why would you waste any more time now you don't need to embarrass someone with the with the questions but at the same time I think you know if you're spending any more time than this and maybe if you are at the stage where you'd like to kind of you know, have a family and get married. And we've already lost years with COVID and lockdowns if you are single. Um, Don't be afraid of the conversation. No, really don't be afraid of it. And, you know, Mairead, I found it interesting with the, you know, the age gap between us. I could hear in everything you said there how much you've learned in each of those relationships. I would say to people, (laughs) keep that list, honey. Keep that list. And it's not to be merciless and it's not to be, but, but you must, if you don't know what is important to you? How do you expect anybody else to know? Yeah. You're responsible for that. And you're right in saying we have an antenna for what we don't want and what we don't like. And remember, other people have lists too. We're not, you know, we're not perfect. Yes. So remember that it's about both looking for the things that really you can't live with, the deal breakers that you can't live with. And uh, and recognizing that you have to compromise also, you have to, you, you know, you have to be able, able to give and let go a little bit and yeah. change to facilitate the other. So I really hope that has been helpful. I think it's been, uh, I just think it's been useful uh, to highlight some of those things that we need not to avoid. Absolutely. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks, Mairead. Lovely again. You have been listening to Tough Love Podcast. If you would like any more information about our private sessions with Stephanie and I, visit toughlove.ie. And again, don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars. Thank you. Thank you.